you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky together. Hey, what do you know? In person. Good to see you, bud. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's, look, it's been a minute since we've been able to kind of get together and do like you and I, one-on-one, talking about everything. And we got good stuff to talk about. We got the National Championship game to mm-hmm. discuss. We have a surprise firing, Mike Vrabel being let go from Tennessee Titans to discuss. And then we just talk ball, which yeah. is always what we like to do. Yeah, we got a lot going on. Um, we can get this out of the way quickly. Um, we did uh, a rookie draft this year. It was a new thing we did. We experimented mm-hmm. with it. I, we had fun with it. It was a way to kind of talk about some rookies in a different way. Um, so each and every week we drafted a quarterback, a running back, and a pass catcher. Uh, we kept track of the points that, you know, the guys basically used uh, fantasy points to kind of keep track of it. And then we had a numbering system. Long story short, I squeaked out a win, Buck. It was mm-hmm. I did us a favor. I had to protect yeah, the, you did. the, the you originality did. of you, the you, MTS you, pod. You, yeah, you because protect, you protected the brand because Rhett Red came hard. Rhett came strong. I he he only missed out by one point. In fact, if he'd have taken Bijan instead of Achan, he'd have he'd have won the thing. I told you on the podcast yeah. that he was overthinking it. He was yeah. over there, he had his notes and his crib notes and his sheets and all this other stuff, all these papers rattling around when we were Making decisions, and he, he look, he cost himself. Yeah, we would never heard of the end of it if uh, Rhett would have pulled that off. So yeah. I ended up sneaking out a win there. Um, but uh, I, I want to get to, and we'll get to the championship game and Jim Harbaugh and what his future looks like, all that stuff. We got plenty of time. Um, but I want to start, man, what, an hour ago from when we were recording this? The yeah. the, uh, the tweets came out. Uh, the statements came out. Uh, Mike Rabel done in Tennessee. Yeah, surprising. And look, this, this goes with, with everything. It it happens every year. We see a surprise dismissal of a coach who, look, a lot of us on, on, on this side of the screen always believe this guy's a good coach and those things, but it, it happens. For me, because obviously I was there for the season finale, the Jaguars going to Tennessee. Mike Rabel did a great job having his team ready to play. And, you know, it's kind of funny, DJ, like now that he's been dismissed, I, w- I will say at the very end of the game, um, it was surreal for a few different things. One, Derrick Henry talks to he got on the, the PA, yeah, got on the mic, talked about all this stuff. He had a turn back the clock game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was vintage Derrick Derrick Henry running down. The Tennessee Titans played like the teams that have been at their best under Mike Vabel. Uh, Ryan Tannehill played pretty well, and then at the end of the game, this was called on TV. Vrabel does this all the time. He always greets his team when they're coming into the locker room. Yeah, but you could tell there was a little something extra about him and the embraces, the hugs or whatever, almost like you knew it was the end of an era. I will say I have the utmost respect for Mike Vrabel because I think he's one of the best coaches in football in terms of like game management, tactical strategies, getting his team ready to play, the style of play that they exhibit, even though it's not popular because they don't throw it all over the yard. I think they are just a difficult team to deal with. He's a good coach on the market. I wonder where he lands. But I think this is also a case study in what we call organizational alignment. Everybody has to be on the same page and share the same vision for how football is played and how you build a team. And we've heard Mike Rabel, um, the statement that he put out, like, 
when they went to New England, he just talked about enjoyment, enjoy it, first class organization, all those other things. And you just have to make sure that when you're building the organization, the football organization, everybody is on the same page. Alignment. Doesn't mean that you always agree, but we're aligned in how we feel like a championship team should be constructed. And I get the sense that obviously the owner didn't feel like the alignment was where it needed to be for this team to have sustainable success. This is uh and again, another topic about this, another area of this, we've talked about this before, can't be bad and boring, okay? And we talk about Coach Vrabel being a, a great coach, and he's accomplished a lot of things, playoffs, division titles, an appearance in the AFC Championship game, all those things. Buck, this year, the Tennessee Titans averaged 17.9 points a game, okay? So this is the offenses you're hanging out with. This is Oof. the very bottom of the league. You're talking about Carolina, New England. The Giants with their mess at quarterback. The Jets, their mess at quarterback. The Steelers who fired their offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. And then the Titans. You go back the year before, it was worse. They averaged 17.5 points. Ooh. So two years in a row, you've had an unwatchable offensive product. product. So, you know, to me, and, and you know, who, we don't know all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Does he play well with others? You know, did the comments he made in New England ruffle some feathers there in, in Nashville? Who knows? But I just know... Don't give people a reason to fire you. And when we talk about resources in the game today and you're building a team, you're building a roster, and we are we have an old-school mentality, run the ball defense. We'll get to the national championship game in a minute and how that that's tale as old as time. But, man, if you're exciting on offense, you buy yourself a little more time and a little more leeway. If you have a year where you don't win as much, but, man, we got speed and we've got explosiveness and we've got talent, and it's it's a good watch. They're a tough watch. I think that was part of the equation. Yeah, look, I, I agree they're a tough watch. And I would say some of the reasons why they're a tough watch is because the, the the most important position at quarterback, like they haven't been able to get it right. Ryan Tannehill played great for them during a stretch. But then as he got older, his play tailed off. And I'll be honest, their young players, to me, don't excite me uh, at quarterback. You know, first it was Malik Willis who – uh, when he had his opportunity, it looked like it, the pro game overwhelmed him. So then they bring in Josh Dobbs at the end of last season, make a little run. Uh, they play like a winner-go-home game against the Jaguars to win a division. They fall short. Uh, they're out. They then draft Will Levis, top of the second round. Uh, young player, exciting. People talked about the passion and the feistiness and all those things. He has some talent, but he's still trying to figure it out. You know, in this league, if you don't really nail it at quarterback, it puts so much pressure on you to have all the other things in place. And so the challenge as a coach and as a team builder that if your team doesn't have the answer at quarterback, can you have enough weapons around the quarterback to make it exciting for them? Mm-hmm. That is the part that you have to get into that. Yeah, I'm going to just read a portion of the statement here from Amy Adams Strunk, the owner of the Tennessee Titans. As the NFL continues to innovate and evolve, I believe the team's best position for sustained success will be those who empower an aligned and collaborative team across all football functions. Last year, we began a shift in our approach to football leadership, made several changes to our personnel to advance that plan. As I continued to assess the state of our team, I arrived at the conclusion that the team would also benefit from the fresh approach and perspective of a new coaching staff. So what are the buzzwords there? It's it's alignment. It's collaboration. And I would use kind of, the, again, the inferred, you know, that, that innovative. When you think innovative... Mm-hmm. I don't think of Derrick Henry, you know, running to the line of scrimmage, getting three, four, five yards at a time. I think of shifts, motions. Uh, we've got dynamic players down the field, explosive plays, excitement. I, that's me reading into all of that. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, I think it's all of that. They have a, a bunch of different things, and let's be honest, 
they haven't they haven't nailed it. Like when I looked at that team, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins made plays, but they don't have impact plays. I will say this: Tajay Spears looks like he's a fun really one player. Yeah, and he should be a nice compliment to whatever they do offensively. But at wide receiver, they don't have the dynamic juice player that we see these electric offenses have. And as they make a transition, is as Rand Carthon kind of kind of puts his stamp on this offense with the assistance of whoever the next coach is. It'll be interesting to see how they change because, to me, much like your time with the Baltimore Ravens identified with the physicality yeah. and toughness, I always identify the Tennessee Titans with that. Can they keep that identity while still being more dynamic and electric on offense to go with the physicality and toughness that's really been hallmarks of their franchise? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of people just assume, uh, hey, let's see what happens with Belichick. Does Belichick leave? And then does Vrabel mm-hmm. you know, slide right into that seat? Um, if not, I mean, he's going to be an attractive option for a lot of teams. There's a, the openings out there, and this is a guy with a winning record who, again, will provide an identity for your team. That's a, you know, you can have the debate. Uh, I think most people, most football people would look at it and say, was this a, a player issue or a coach issue? They would say this is a roster issue more so than a coaching issue. Absolutely, because I can't knock him when it comes to his coaching ability, the prowess. You just saw it last week. <laughs> he's a great coach. They don't have enough talent. Yeah. So it has to match up. The talent has to match up with the coaching, and then you have the success. And right now, the players aren't there to give them an opportunity to succeed. No doubt. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We uh, come back. We're going to jump into the national championship game, what we saw there, and what does it mean for the future, not only in college football, but uh, as it relates to the NFL. Was that Jim Harbaugh's last game? We'll talk about it right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, Buck, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just open it up. Uh, 34 to 13. It was a lopsided score. It was not a lopsided game at half. Even going into the third quarter, it was a one possession game. Felt like Washington had a chance to get back into it. The score uh, told a different story, though. Once this was all said and done, it was a pretty thorough uh, domination there, especially on the ground by the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, no, this is fascinating because we always talk about it. And, you know, when you look at these games and you're trying to determine who should be the favorite, who should be the winner, styles make fights. And, I think we kind of talked about this with Michigan. There were there were more paths to victory for Michigan yeah. than, than Washington in terms of like Washington needed this game to be a, a fast break shootout, whereas Michael Penix throwing all over the yard, having to go back and forth. We said if Michigan, and it's, it's, I think it's hard to speed up a team that's a ground and pound team, yeah. if Michigan was able to kind of grind it out a little bit, it was going to lean in their favor. And what we saw very, very early on in the game, Two big runs right out the gate. And it's kind of like a nightmare for Washington because now you allow Michigan to play from in front yeah. with the lead. Never had to put J.J. McCarthy in a pressure situation where it's a gotta-have-it time where he has to make throws and they have to kind of come out of their come out of their shell as an offense. They let him be a trailer. He didn't have to be a truck. He didn't have to. No. He, he made a handful of plays. They had yeah. some drops or whatever. He, he did some things, but... This game was won because of the offense and defensive lines of Michigan were able to control the line of scrimmage. They allowed them to play in their very comfortable style. And UW 
couldn't do it. Offensively, to me, it's the offensive line being able to create lanes early. So Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum were able to have success. And it's not talked about enough. And maybe just because I'm an X and O's junkie, I, I, I love it. What Michigan does, what people talk about, their gap schemes, mm-hmm. pin and pull or whatever, but it's the gap schemes combined with the unbalanced. 100%. DJ, so many big plays that they had, and it's never talked about on the broadcast. They're in I unbalanced, the same thing. overload things. Break home, scores a touchdown. It's an unbalanced to the left. Yeah. They run the counter back to the right, to the short side. He goes, and the numbers are in his favor. It's the same stuff he did at Stanford. He's modernized it a little bit. In, in at Michigan, and it is so advantageous. And I'm just looking at it like, man, it's just coaching, coaching brilliance that he and his staff have been able to do. It's like to me, it reminds me of uh, like when you're in first grade. Okay, <laughs> this is what it reminds me of because, and I'll, I'll show you this, but like I'm not drawing up the X's and O's, but we had a theory with offensive line co- or our, our offensive coordinator at, uh, gosh, I can't remember if it was in Northeast Louisiana or if I was at App, but he, you know, we were talking about we had check with me's runs. Mm-hmm and uh, power and it was you know a lot of times we wanted to, it depended on the alignment of the three techniques sometimes and then at one point in time to me he goes guys just use the bunch theory and i was like the bunch theory he's like there's a bunch of dudes over there let's go over here and i'm like yeah literally if you just like split the field <laughs> and if you just say like okay we've got like there's all these guys over here but there's only three guys over here let's go there like that's that's literally what it, you're watching tv and i'm like oh my gosh they got numbers and they do it, and DJ is so subtle. And going all the way back to the semifinal game, because I thought this was telling when Nick Saban talked about Michigan's willingness to huddle made it hard for them to match up on defense because yeah. they were a team that liked to call it, we call it AFC, automatic front and coverage. Yeah. So you make the call based on the formation that the opponent is in. So they want to see the formation, then the coach relays a call to the team, the team then executes the call. Well, when you come out in a huddle and you do what Michigan does, where they line up, they break the huddle, they line up, they shift, they motion, you now take that away. You take the coaches out of the mix, which yep. is kind of funny. And so they're doing that, and it's, the thing about unbalanced, and it's funny where the source comes from. Hugh Jackson used to always talk to me about unbalanced line because he was in pros as uh, offensive coordinator for the Bengals. He used to always talk about you line up in unbalanced 10 to 12 times because the one time that the defense doesn't line up right, you gash him. Yeah. So it's, oh, I'm going to keep lining up in this and see if you get it right because the one time that you don't, it ends up being a big play. Mm. How many times did we see in the playoffs Michigan line up in unbalanced line? The opponent doesn't line up correctly, and it ends up being a huge play. And that's what happened last night on occasion. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it. They ran for 303 yards, and you look at the runs, some of these runs, 59 yards, 46 yards, 22 yards. I mean, 14, 13. Like, they are just <laughs> gashing them, like home runs. Big and it's nothing like green, green grass. It wasn't like a lot of these were breaking tackles and making people miss out in space. Like, this is just grass. Grass. And so the, the first couple plays that they hit on, um, guys who were – really into the game will have heard the play called duo, right? Yeah, so yeah. duo is basically a no pull power. You don't pull anybody, but you get double teams on everybody at the point of attack. And the running back just basically runs to daylight. It is one of those things. So if all week you've been taught, hey, when the pullers go, we're gonna run over top. Hey, when the pullers go, yeah. There's no pull. They don't pull. Yeah. So now you're sitting there in space and they're hitting it downhill. Donovan Edwards pops. Big play. Yep. Comes again, pops right out the gate because of those things. I will say their creativity in the running game um, is really challenging. It's different. And it reminds me, as we talk about Jim Harbaugh going to the next level, it reminds me a lot of how Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniels and Sean McVay, they have a way of creating splash plays 
on the ground as opposed to through the air. And that really challenges the defense in a different way than having to defend these electric pass attacks. Yeah, and if you think about, like, if you think about the sport of golf or baseball, they talk about having a repeatable swing. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, basketball, you, yes. the guys have a repeatable sh- stroke. Like, you just look at them and say, okay, do you have more success if, if it's simple and repeatable? Mm-hmm. And in a game where I picked Washington in this one, Michigan had the simpler, more repeatable way of getting this thing done. Mm-hmm. And, and so so then let's go and, and talk about their defense, right? Because yeah. everyone, to me, I was looking at this game wondering if Michael Penix was going to have a C.J. Stroud game. Yeah. A game in the playoffs where it opens your eyes to like, oh, have I given yeah. him enough credit for what he could be? Well, last week was kind of that level. for him against it, Texas. It, it, yeah. it kind of opened it up. And so then when you, you dig down and you look and you watch him at the end of the game where he got completely beat up, you then look at the numbers and say, Michigan had one sack. Mm-hmm. Um they beat numbers the tar out of him, though. They only blitzed 16 times. Yeah. They lined up and played coverage. He threw, he threw the ball 51 times. They lined up and played coverage with four-man rushes, mm-hmm. and they were able to get home and just kind of change and alter it. And it takes me back to when I was with the Carolina Panthers and what, what, what two things. I was with the Oakland Raiders, Willie Shaw, David Shaw's dad, used to talk about the front end affects the back end more than the back end can affect the front end, meaning yeah. – the pass rush can mask can mask any issues that you have in the back end because if you're able to disrupt the rhythm and the timing of the quarterback, it doesn't matter what you have back there. Keep the ball in front, the pressure would do it. Then John Fox, when we were the Carolina Panthers, you think about going to the Super Bowl with a front seven that had Julius Peppers and Mike Rucker and Bruce Buckner and all these guys. The front seven was great. Undrafted guys on the corner. And it's just a lesson that as we're building a team, if you really invest in the front lines, it doesn't really matter what you have there. It gives you the flexibility that if you don't have perfect personnel behind it, mm-hmm. you can mask it because my guys at the line of scrimmage can win. And that matters on offense and also on defense. Yeah, I, I think that they were better up front. I mean, Washington left tackle is a stud, and mm-hmm. we're going to see him go in the first round, whether he's a guard or a tackle. He's he's legit. The other four guys struggled. And so you look at part of this game to me was this, this formula, this concoction that was lethal against Washington was – um, okay, you got beat up up front a little bit. Your running back's not healthy in Dylan Johnson. They gave him 11 carries. Couldn't and I'm just sitting up. there watching going, run God up. bless him. I, he is a tough kid, and I'll give him all the accolades for that. He could. You needed to get him out of that game. Yeah. You had, you had, some, you had some space because they're rushing for because they're playing coverage. You have to run the ball and make them pay for it. And you got a running back out there on one leg. Yeah. They needed to – that was a coaching mistake to me. They needed to pull him out of that game. And then the other side of it is – and and I know you've played the position, but to me, and I'm look, Michigan was going to win this game either way. But it looked to me like, hey boys, make him call it, okay? Oh, one Ro- Roma Dunze, one as talented as our guy, we can't cover him, so make what? him call it. And they didn't call it; they, they got a couple of them, but so, they held the crud out of him so, in that game. So DJ, one of my things, particularly when it's high school or college, understand what the rules are. Yeah, it's a 15 yard penalty, and it's not an automatic first down. Nope. When high school, it's not an automatic first down. So, if you're a little handsy, a little this, a little that, oh, okay. I mean, they were tugging the, his jersey down the field. Give him the 15 yards because it takes a lot of 15s to produce points. 100%. We're not going to let him go. And it, it, it reminded me of, I mean, this is our era, but when Nolan Richardson was at Arkansas and they played 40 minutes of hill, they yeah. pressed the whole time. And he was like, they're not going to call it all day. At some point... <laughs> When you establish your style, mm-hmm. they just say, well, that's just how they play. Yeah. And so as you talk about a repeatable swing, mm-hmm. 
Hey, man, if we're holding from beginning to end, they're not going to call 35 Every holding penalties. Yeah. So at some point, be like, hey, guys, you, you, you got to get off. You just yeah. got to get off the thing. Mm-hmm. And what Michigan did when they played coverage, they put their hands on them. They didn't give up free access. They made them uncomfortable by being annoying. It's, it's the annoying defense that guys who like to have space want to do. And Michigan was willing to do what other teams were unwilling to do when it came to challenging those guys and making them kind of earn every yard. I w- I'm going to give you some homework uh, out of school here, which I think will be good for you too. But the but the uh, the thought I had watching this game was, man, in an era in the college in the NFL, when you watch games on Saturday and Sunday, where I don't know the tackling's ever been worse. Mm-hmm. They tackle, man. They So I want to know, what are they doing? Oh, okay. So since since you do that, since I am the inquisitive high school coach, yes. like I'm, I'm looking around and I'm trying to figure out what's the common denominator to all these teams that are the blue blood teams that are always in Alabama, Georgia. Mm-hmm. You now talk about Michigan. Well, DJ, we've talked about it as scouts. Like they thump. Yeah. They get after it. They tackle. They tackle every day. They do all these things. Like they pride themselves in being very physical teams. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, fancy yourself as a physical team everything that you do in your training has to match that so the way that you lift weights has to be conducive to building a very physical tough team old school lifts we're gonna bench we're gonna power clean we're gonna squat we're gonna do all this stuff the way that you run and practice the way that you tackle and practice we're tackling every day now are we beating everybody up no we may tackle and do some of the seahawks tackling drills and those things but to play for us the mentality is you have to tackle and I was having a conversation with my dad coming in because we were kind of reviewing the championship game. And he was like, man, what did you see? I said, dad, all I know is when I watch those teams play in the playoffs, they hit to hurt. Yeah, They run through people on contact. And I'll say this. Michigan was laying to wood, too. Yeah. Because those little bubble screens that Michigan... I oh, mean, I know. Washington, Washington was laying Yeah, they came up there and got those, after it. Those yeah. little bubble screens, they were smacking mm-hmm. uh, immediately. And I just believe that we're in an era that the team that out hits the other team is the team that is going to win. So how do you get that done in practice without beating your guys up? That's the secret sauce. But I did notice Alabama and Michigan and those guys talked about in the past because those teams would typically lose in bowl games because they would practice three weeks just beating each other up. Both teams opted for different approaches. Took the pads off, Mm -hmm. more walkthroughs, slowly ramped it up. Did the tackling, but without the pads on. And so they were able to get it done. And so what I saw was a Michigan team that was as fast as I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time because that used to always be the thing, the albatross against Big Ten teams. They're yeah. not fast. Yeah. That team looked fast on the turf. And I don't know if any of us thought that they would be as fast as Washington in that matchup. Yeah, no. Uh, look, Roman Wilson can fly. Um, so we saw a lot of that uh, from him in that game, just little quickies. that he Oh, uh, just sliding yeah. out in the flat, yeah. bootlegs, making 12, it easy 13 for yards, being big, J.J. Big. McCarthy, being, being able to do that tight ends in the mix. And we've talked about in the National Football League, the tight end is the biggest mismatch. Yeah. Them lining up in 12 and 13 personnel, throwing the ball over the middle of the field. And you just see how friendly mm-hmm. – the game can be when you have a good tight end over the middle. All right, well, I, I gave you homework. I'm gonna, I'm thinking about I should give Nabil homework here because you could go through Nabil um, and find the episode. I know we talked about this on here. Do you remember when it came out that they had a Georgia period at practice? Oh, in yeah. Michigan? Oh, yeah. And we said on here, I know for a fact we both said it, like, hey, all these people are making fun of this and chuckling and laughing. Uh-huh. Just just remember, I we heard, we heard the same thing when they said stuff about USC. When he was at Stanford. He said he was going to get him. He, he said he said, and he did he said, it. He, he said. He did the same thing here. 
He did the same. Said he, laugh at him it. at your own peril. He's, he's done everything. USC was at the pinnacle when he was at. Yes, they were like underdogs by a lot, and they ran the thirty-five point underdog and beat him. And I remember they ran power over and over. It was to the point that Pete Carroll was like, "What's your deal after the game?" And 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 they pounded him and. When he sets his sights, because it goes all the way back to first they had to catch Ohio, and they had a beat Ohio period where they lined up, they did a 907 period every Tuesday and just mm-hmm. got after it. We talk about Georgia having bloody Tuesdays when it's a level of physicality. Yep. Everyone knows how Alabama has practiced for years. The teams that are going to the next level, they're intentional about how they do it. Michigan, when they lost to Georgia two years ago, mm-hmm. they said, okay. They saw what see, it looks like. We see what it looks like. Yep. We got to do it. So I think maybe one of his best traits, his adaptability, Mm -hmm. his ability to say, Hey, here's what we need to be this team. We got to up to Annie in this area. And he's been able to do it, which is why I believe NFL teams are so fascinated by him because everywhere he is four for four, he's won. Yeah. And he's won at a major level. He might be quirky or whatever, but the one thing you're getting, you're getting a winner and you're going to get a tough, hard-nosed team that finds a way to get it done, and he's quarterback-friendly. Yeah, and you're going to have an identity. He's quarterback-friendly. Um, I, I saw a clip with uh, with Richard Sherman the other day, our buddy, and he was saying, uh, you know, and, and it was, look, we I remember going through there during the time when he was coming out, and it was well-known that he and Harbaugh did not get along at all. Um, and so I don't know if it was Colin or somebody had asked him, you know, if he, you know, how he worked with Harbaugh. I said they butted heads, and I don't think he particularly liked Harbaugh. But one of the points he brought up was, he knows how to identify coaches. And we talked about it this uh, last week, I believe, or the week before, about mm-hmm. the underrated aspect of coaches is finding and developing coaches as well as finding and developing players. He's done it again, man. Like, mm-hmm. th- we, this is going to be a staff that if the, if he goes to the NFL, which I think he will, mm-hmm. um, he can bring a bunch of these guys with him. If not, they're going to be sought after um, all over, both the NFL level and the college level, because he understands how to find innovative, creative um disciplined, tough, good teachers. Um, he had the, he's always had a great coaching staff wherever he's been. He always has done it. And here, here's what I will say this, like in just reading up about all this stuff prior to the game and just talking about how he and his brother come to work, right? Mike McDonald comes up to Michigan. He also interviewed Jesse Minner during that time. Both of those guys have been on Baltimore staff. Yeah, He wanted the Ravens defense up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So Mike McDonald comes up, serves as an apprentice, does a year there, goes back down to Baltimore. We see what he's done with Baltimore. They dominate. Mentor goes to Vanderbilt, then makes his way up to Michigan. Young, dynamic. And what he wanted was, I want complex that's simple. Yep. I wanted to look complex. Simple for them. us, but complex to them. And he has been able to do that. And to me, the secret sauce in identifying coaches, who are the great teachers Mm -hmm. who are the guys that can take these concepts and really simplify them where the players understand it and the concepts build upon one another that it just makes sense and clicks because whether it's college dealing with the 20-yard rule and the transient nature of the college game where you have so many transfers where you got to get people up to speed or the pro game where you're dealing with free agents and young players needing to play the advantage that you now have my coaches are better than your coaches. Mm-hmm. We have a scheme that allows our guys to quickly learn what they're doing and to play well. And so Jim Harbaugh certainly deserves a lot of credit for identifying coaches that understand how to teach and understand how to attack the opponent without confusing their own guys. Mm-hmm. 
100%, man. Well, it was fun. It was a fun game. Excited to see what ends up happening with Harbaugh, where he ends up going, what he ends up doing. I did hear him talk about spring ball and how they're moving that Ready? back. Made it sound like he's staying. Valentine's Day. Staying. Valentine's Day. If you love football, we're yeah. going to start on Valentine's Day. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I will be very surprised. Maybe he shocks me and others and stays. Well, but look, I, here's what I think. I DJ, think this I think he time. has the perfect situation. Yeah. He finished he it. He finished the job. He finished Like, I leave if I get a great offer. I don't have to leave. Yeah. Like, it's almost those things. I have a good job. Yeah. I don't leave unless the situation gonna, is good. a statue job. I mean, it's going to be a statue oh, outside. <laughs> you think? The building. I mean, yeah. So he he has the best work. So now I would think those other things, like in the past hiring cycles, he didn't necessarily have the leverage because he hadn't completed it. Well, now Michigan is indebted to him. They got to write a big check. Yeah. They've already put it on the table for him. <laughs> it's so, have to come up off that number. And so now, and so now he's... Eh. Plus, you got the NCAA thing. We'll see what happens with that. Um, but man, it's uh, it was impressive. It was impressive what they did last night. Although I, I'm watching that game, and uh, the other thought that went through my head was, you're not going to be able to duck Georgia ever again. Twelve team playoff. They're going to get in every year. So, it, it, to me, like we had this SEC dominance, and I think I know Clat uh, had said this should give everybody else hope. I think the twelve team playoff is the opposite of that because what it's going to ensure is that you're going to have to see even, you're going to have to see the SEC. You're going to have to see. You can say the, th- there are going to be three of them in there every year. You're going to have to see. The, you're going to have to see. And the, even if they have a slip up in a championship game, like Georgia, to me, and I, I don't want to make Michigan fans. Georgia would have had a better fight last night. If, oh, it would have been. They would have been, been, been but, favored in that game. But to me, what is exciting about the the twelve team playoff? Yeah, let's see you run the gauntlet because yep. now if you're named a champion, you earned you, it. You you had to go through it and. If your team is not built like those teams are that we talk about, and I know people get tired of us talking about Alabama and Georgia, but now Alabama, Georgia, and Michigan, and I even like what Washington did, but Oregon, you have to be built a certain Ohio way State's to be able field. to win a championship. And as much as I love my Tar Heels, yeah. it looks a lot different. It looks a lot different when they when when, well, when those top teams are playing. It looks know, a lot different. You know who understands that? Who got that message? Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. He hired DeAnton Lynn, who had been at UCLA. Where was he prior to that? He was with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Running the same defense you saw last night. Yeah, and, and he look, knows that, what it looks. He's like, and, that's what it's got to look like. I go to the Big Ten, and we got the twelve team playoff. I got to, I can't be doing what I've been doing out here, offense only. That ain't gonna work. No, you're gonna have to play big boy football, and so it it, it should be an exciting time as we look ahead to where college football is going, and where Jim Harbaugh may eventually end up in the National Football League. Because if I'm a team that he's on the radar. You already know what it's going to look like. It's going to be a physical football team that looks like the Ravens and the Niners and all those other teams that he's been associated with or people in his family have been associated with. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing. Uh, great to be back in person, by the way. No, it was good, man. It was great. Oh, Nabil, uh, I don't even know if he's awake back there. Looks like he's, he's awake. Yeah, he had an easy day today. He could chill out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a big lean day. Yeah, we're leaning back a little bit. <laughs> I, I, it's just a real comfortable vibe. It's a comfortable it's deal. A vibe. It's, it's a, a comfortable here. deal. Sometimes we forget we're we're pipe. Sometimes we forget there's oh. a, there's there's a camera running. My bad. No, we forgot we were leaning back. It was a very it's a very chill day. Yeah, no, I like. We that. need couches. Can we get the comfies? Can we get the comfies and just kind of chill, kick back? No, I just love that Hanzus has his he still has his calculator here. So he what? What does he? What? His like, little stopwatch there, so he can oh. track it. I think it's just to keep. Rosenthal on check in terms of how long he's talking, but I'm not sure. Uh, shot clock. Shot clock. There you go. Um, all right. That's going to do it for us today. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, we will see you next time right here on Move the Sticks.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.